All right, it's November 24th, which means it's time for the Daily Spinner Rack. I'm Dan, regular host of the Comic Book Pit podcast, here to talk about the day's random comic book. And today's pick is Superman Family number 182, published by DC Comics, April 1977, 80 pages with a cover price of $1. It's got a beautiful cover by Superman classic artists Kurt Swan and Neil Adams. So full disclosure, I'm actually out of town this week with no access to my own comic collection. I called upon my comic book pit pals to help me pick some books from the Marvel and DC comic services that I subscribe to. So you can actually thank Jared Catherine for this pick. Thank you, Jared. (laughs) And just a little bit of background, because I don't think I've ever actually read a Superman family giant book like this. The Superman family series ran that ran from 1974 to 1982 was an amalgamation of a bunch of old titles of supporting characters associated with Superman. So you're looking at Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen and Supergirl. So they would make these big fat comics featuring all of those characters plus some more. And they used the numbering of the Jimmy Olsen issue numbers to continue the Superman family numbering. So this issue has seven, count them, seven stories. And each one is sufficiently bizarre. So let's start with Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, the title of which is Death on Ice by Bill Dennehy, Kurt Schaffenberger, and Vince Coletta. Jimmy Olsen is covering a hockey game with Clark Kent as his guest. After the game, they head to the locker room to meet some of the players, and on the way there, Jimmy hits Clark with some real stoner thinking. I mean, this is a real stoner theory, guys. He says, you know, I read an article recently that impressed me. During the day, when we're seemingly doing our thing, that's the dream world. At night, when we seemingly sleep, that's the real world. Jimmy goes on to provide proof in the form of Superman, asking how can someone with his powers possibly exist if not in a dream world? So as they get close to the locker room, Jimmy notices a couple of thugs that he recognizes leaving the locker room that work for known criminal Big Al. He then asks star goalie Matt Wilson about the two thugs, and Matt Wilson has nothing to say, but it seems a little suspicious. Simultaneously, the thugs recognize Jimmy, and they know his reputation as a news hound, so they wait for him in the parking lot to kill him. They take a shot and actually graze his cheek, which immediately sends him thinking again about the whole dream world theory. I guess he's in shock. He comes to his senses, realizing that he has to get out of there before the thugs finish the job. He steps on the gas, swings around, and his headlights show Clark changing into Superman in the middle of the parking lot. Again, he's convinced that he must be in the dream world because there's no way Clark could be Superman. Jimmy returns to the locker room the next day to go through the goalie's locker, and he finds $25,000 in cash. The goalie, Matt Wilson, shows up and tells him that the thugs tried to pay him off to throw the game, but he said no. But they put the money in his locker anyway. Jimmy immediately thinks, 
for no reason, that <laughs> Wilson is going to hurt him. So he grabs a hockey stick to defend himself. Again, Wilson, who at no point made any move to attack or hurt Jimmy, tries to get the stick back. He's like, hey, but it, it, everything's cool. Put the stick down. They struggle. Jimmy cracks Wilson on the head, knocking him out. The thugs show up to make sure that Wilson does the job that they paid him to do. Jimmy decides to put on Wilson's uniform to try and sneak past them with the other players. But the thugs figure it out and give chase. In the middle of the chase, somebody unseen grabs Jimmy around the neck and pulls him into somewhere. (laughs) Before you know it, it's game time. The opposing team, who I guess they're a bunch of crooks too, they think the goalie Wilson is on the take, but they're surprised when he blocks shot after shot after shot. Soon the entire team charges the goalie to beat him up, kill him, who knows. This is hockey in Metropolis, folks. I don't know what's going on here. The entire team charges the goalie, who turns out to be Superman. He rips open the goalie jersey to, you know, he's in his unit, his, his Superman outfit. He was the one who grabbed Jimmy and swapped places with him. He flies away, carrying carrying the, basically the entire opposing team, five players, taking them to the police, I guess? Because I don't know. And he says he'll be back for Big Al's thugs. Jimmy thinks again about his dream world slash real world theory regarding Clark and Superman one more time as the story ends. Story number two, Super Baby. And the title is Super Baby's Alien Pet by E. Nelson Bridwell, John Calnan, and Joe Gaia. This is a story literally about Clark as a superpowered toddler, complete with wearing a red cape tied around his neck, who flies to the Kent farm one day carrying a large, scaly, ape-like alien. In his stilted baby speak, Clark asks if he can keep it as a pet. And this all escalates quickly. Pa Kent grabs ropes, chains, and cables to bind the giant alien until he can figure out what to do with it because you can't have a giant scaly alien just running around Smallville. He quickly designs a large pen in the ground to hold the alien, which Clark helps construct by digging a hole with his super speed and super strength and whatever, digging a hole 30 to 40 feet deep with smooth walls, and he uses his heat vision to melt a bunch of scrap iron and metal and junk to form iron bars. So they've essentially imprisoned this alien. <laughs> pa then, then asks Clark where he found his pet, and Clark f- flies Pa to what looks like a crashed alien ship presumably belonging to the alien. They free the alien, and despite his young age, Clark manages to learn some of the alien's language because of his quote-unquote super brain, according to Pa. Clark flies the alien back to his ship, they make some repairs, and the alien flies away. Story number three, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, the title of which Crime Takes a Fall, by Bill Kunkel, Jose Delbo, and Bob Layton. These days, pro wrestling is all the rage, so Lois and Clark are visiting a local gym in search of a story. Lois starts talking with some of the wrestlers about the new star, Jaws Jeffrey, and they all tell the same story, how he's nothing really special in their workouts, but during the actual matches, he manages to beat all his opponents. Lois decides to talk to the promoter for more information when she recognizes known associates of Skull 
the most notorious gang in Metropolis, come out of the office. Lois figures out that the fix is in and informs Jaws Jeffrey, who had no idea what was going on. She finds this building across the street from the arena to find a gunman named Magnum on the roof with a rifle. He admits that he's been shooting Jaws' opponents with a self-dissolving dart coated with a temporary muscle relaxant, and they never know they were hit. Before Magnum can attack Lois, Jaws shows up and tackles Magnum off the edge of the building, but they're both saved by Superman. Story number four, The Fabulous World of Krypton, story titled The Stranger, by Paul Kupperberg and Marshall Rogers. Clark is visiting Pete Ross and his family for Christmas. Pete's son John asks Clark if they ever had anything like Christmas on Krypton. This revelation is explained by an editor's note that apparently at some point Clark revealed his identity to John Ross, but I guess not Pete Ross. While Pete is cleaning up dinner, Clark tells John about the pacifist known as Joe Mon, who existed 4,000 years before Krypton's destruction. His death by violence between two warring factions brought about Krypton's first lasting peace. It's an obvious allegory, but it's presented with sincerity and some heart. So, We've got a Supergirl story, The Deadly Treasure of Mars, by Jack C. Harris, Mike Vosberg, and Al Milgram. In this story, the Maid of Might, that's what they call her, the Maid of Might, engages in a rare battle with her cousin's archenemy Lex Luthor. Lex breaks out of jail to go after a sample of kryptonite that was discovered on the surface of Mars. And this all took place during a period of time where all kryptonite on Earth had been transmuted into lead. So any kryptonite that was found anywhere was very rare. It's all for naught anyway because the kryptonite that was found on Mars is actually a fake. It was all a ruse by Supergirl to smoke out the mole that Lex had at the Jet Propulsion Lab and also to find a rocket that they knew Lex had built but they couldn't find. Supergirl gets a lot of satisfaction in hauling Lex back to Earth with the knowledge that she outsmarted him. We've got a Crypto the Superdog story a, titled A Bad Day for Junkyard Blue by Bob Toomey, John Cownan, and Bob Smith. I kind of feel like these guys drew the short straw on this story. This is a very light story in which Crypto accidentally emasculates a junkyard dog in the process of flying after a couple of comedically incompetent crooks who rob a bank and try to hide in the junkyard. Crypto restores the junkyard dog's confidence, the crooks are arrested, and Crypto flies away. And the issue closes on another Jimmy Olsen story. We've got Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, The Reporter with the Radar Mind, by Carrie Bates, Kurt Schaffenberger, and Vince Coletta. So this other Jimmy Olsen story in which the reporter is gifted with the ability to read minds by the known psychic Nikki Heller. It turns out a gang wants to use Nikki's abilities to get safe combinations and go on a crime spree. So he transfers his power to Jimmy so he couldn't use it even if he wanted to. I guess that's something you can do if you're a psychic. You can give someone else your mental abilities. With his newfound power, Jimmy knows that Nikki's in trouble, so he tracks him down to an auto junkyard. Jimmy is caught sneaking around by one of the gang, but convinces them with his powers somehow that Superman is on his way. The gang scatter to escape, but (laughs) Jimmy throws a tire. Have you ever picked up a tire? Even without the metal part inside? It's heavy. 
But Jimmy threw one perfectly, like ring toss style, around a thug. Nicky, he picked up a chain, and he threw it perfectly, wrapping it around a thug's legs. I don't know how these guys do this. Superman actually does show up, picking up the car and shaking out the last thug. Jimmy transfers the mental powers back to uh, back to Nikki, joking that even though it would be great for a reporter to have these powers, it's more trouble than it's worth. Womp womp. So that's all, thankfully, for Superman Family number 182 and for this episode of Daily Spinner Rack. Make sure to come back every day for a new discussion of a random back issue. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.